0: That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly, crack a smile. Hey, Nicole. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you good. How about about me? Can you hear me?
1: Um, I can hear you good.
0: Okay, good. How you been doing?
1: I've been doing good. Like I said, I've been dog-sitting, and they're pretty easy. Both of them are, like, practically asleep right now. They're lying on the couch next to me.
0: Oh, that's great. That's awesome. So, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the show, and then introduce you, and then from there, we'll do our uh, Jim Henson tribute. All right, let's do it. All right. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, for Movie Lovers Tonight, John Gregorio, And for tonight's episode, we're actually doing a Jim Henson tribute. The myth, the legend, Jim Henson himself, we're doing a big tribute towards him. And I actually have one of the biggest Jim Henson's fans on the planet right now, and that is Nicole M- Menison. And say so hello to what everyone, Nicole. Men- okay, so... I-
1: that's okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm actually really flattered that you called me like the biggest Jim Henson fan on the planet. That's really flattering to me.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs>
1: no, it's fine. I don't care. I just wanted to make sure you typed it right. So when you tagged me it would appear. But I'm really excited to be here. Like I have a I have a Jim Henson um, autobiography and I was going through it and I'm like writing down notes. So I'm really excited.
0: <laughs> I am too. As a matter of fact, I actually wrote down like a top five list of my favorite things that he's actually done Ooh. that impacted me as a kid so mm-hmm. i decided to go that route and mm-hmm. i decided to go on ahead and you know you can go on ahead and give your biggest most uh jim henson's geek out moments and stuff like that too that you had and stuff oh, like awesome.
1: that Okay, so do you want me to go first?
0: Yeah, you can go on ahead and go first. Um, I know that you've been doing this, uh, read some of the biography and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So go on ahead. I want you to be able to geek out a lot. So
1: feel free. So uh, just a little bit of history, like for those of you who are not aware, Jim Henson was born in Leland, Mississippi, and he was uh, one of two brothers. His older brother was named Paul after his father, and um, he was extremely close to his grandmother, and they called her dear. I thought that was really cute. Her she was very big in their life, even though they lived far away. He was very, very close to her. And from what I understand, he always was really interested in TV. When they got one, he was super interested in it. Like it was he kind of sort of realized it was gonna be a big game changer in the world. And see, for me, I had a VHS copy of the Muppet movie, like a lot of people did. You know, like the Muppet right. movie was his first official film and so that's how I was introduced to him and I watched it repeatedly I knew the words, you know and then when I got older I remember my sister-in-law took me to a place called the Center for Puppetry Arts here in Georgia and I had no idea what this was and it's like the biggest um like museum for puppets. See, you can go see puppet shows, but before you go, there is a museum of puppetry and there's also a section dedicated to Jim Henson.
0: Oh, that's pretty awesome.
1: Yes, and the last time I was there, they had a section all about the Dark Crystal. It is really cool because you get to see a bunch of puppets from like all over the world and when they opened the center, Jim Henson went there to open the museum. He went there with Kermit.
0: So, you know, like,
1: so, like, yeah, like you know, and, like, the Henson donation still donates money to them and everything, so when I go there, it kind of feels in a way that I am still, like, with, I, like, I got to sort of meet Jim Henson in a way, like, he's sort of still there. It, it's, like, if you guys ever come down to Georgia, I'm going to recommend it. It is amazing. Even if, like, you're not really a big fan of puppets, it's really just, it's very interesting and you learn a lot of history about puppetry and also Jim and the work he's done it is so cool
0: that is pretty awesome though that he, there's actually a museum for puppets and everything I, did, I didn't even know that even existed but yeah a lot of people don't
1: and when they say like what's something you recommend in Georgia a lot of people will say our aquarium or a zoo but I always say the center just because it's such a unique thing you know there's no other place like the center for puppetry arts
0: That's actually pretty cool that you actually recommend that because you know normally people are like you know what I want something different I don't want the aquarium I don't Mm -hmm. want the zoo so for you to recommend right so for you to uh, to actually recommend a museum for puppets that's actually pretty cool of you I mean that would be something I would actually be interested in because I grew up with Jim Henson too I grew up with the Muppets VHS tape as well I had. Uh matter of fact, I remember watching The Muppet Show, as just being impacted by it. Bert and Ernie are still one of my favorite Muppets, oh, too.
1: Yeah. Of course, Sesame Street. I watch Sesame Street right. all the time, too. But see, the thing about, like, I think our aquarium's nice and our zoo is nice, but, like, I've, the thing is just, you know, you don't have a lot of places that focus on puppetry. And what I think is cool about the center is you get to learn about puppetry from all over the world. and. Um, I remember one time it, I was in film class and I think I wrote, I wrote a paper on the art crystal and my teacher said, if you go to the Center for Puppetry Arts, um, there is a Skeksis there. I think it was, oh, I can't remember which one it was. It's been a while, but he's still there and you got I got to see it up close. Like you get to see it behind glass, of
0: course. How you doing, Nicole? <laughs> <laughs> doing good. Do we need to start so, over? Uh, no, no, no. We can keep on going. I have a, okay. I can edit the other thing out before right. you start out.
1: Okay, so, um, he, um with me is, like, I think, just the more I've learned about Jim Henson, the more I've just, I found him very interesting and, like, fascinating as a creator, because he was just sort of a very, um, like, a patient man, and from what I read, um, when it came to, like, money and the business side of stuff, he preferred somebody else to, uh, like, take over that part, just because he was a person who didn't like to, um, he wanted everyone to be happy, you know.
0: Exactly. You can definitely tell that he wanted everyone to be happy, especially the way that he actually brought his films to life. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can definitely tell that was his level of happiness was whenever he was able to bring a smile to kids' faces or the or adults as well. You he know? loved children, and he
1: loved making people smile. Like, um, I don't know if you've seen this. There's this little clip of this girl, um, and it's it's her and Kermit. I think the girl's name is Joey Ann he's trying to do the um, alphabet with her, but she keeps interrupting saying cookie monster.
0: Oh yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I st- I, yeah. I still, remember. I still remember. And,
1: and then Kermit got upset and he left and she went, I love you. And she came- and comes back and he's like, I love you too. And like, I kind of feel that sort of just, that was Jim Henson really talking through Kermit,
0: you know? I could see that. I could definitely see that on so many levels and that's, that part that you're actually talking about, I remember seeing that as a kid and just cracking up laughing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It it was really great.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Like, I, like I, like a lot of people grew up with the Muppets and like, I'm really surprised, you know, that Sesame street is still going. Cause he, my brother, he's like a lot older than me and Sesame street started like, well, around the time he was little. So He's grown up with Sesame Street. My two sisters have, I have, and so have their kids. It's so surreal to me.
0: That's just awesome, though. Like, everybody, after so many, after all these years, you know, we've actually are carried on something that we actually grew up on, which is actually rare. Because, you know, nowadays, everything is usually canceled. We have nothing Mm -hmm. to really carry on our childhood. We actually Mm -hmm. have to reintroduce our childhood to someone else. Yep. So I'm just glad that Sesame Street is still around.
1: Mm-hmm. And it still has stayed the same way too. Like it's still I think like Jim Henson would still be proud of what they're doing. Cause like you know, recently they got some flack because they had the they had the Sesame Street puppets explaining what the Black Lives Matter movement was. But I was like, Jim would have been behind this because um he was a you know, he was a person who wanted to he made Sesame Street for everybody. Mm-hmm. And exactly. believe it or not, when the show originally aired, people were mad because
0: he had a married black couple on Sesame Street. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like this. With kids, their minds are adapted to things very quickly. Mm-hmm. And the first, and if they see something like a riot going on TV or, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, they're going to be curious. They're going to ask their parents what is the Black Lives Matter movement? What what does this mean? Why are people writing? Why are people upset? Because they're curious. Their minds are wondering. And, you know, the best way, if I was a kid, I would want someone that's on more of my level to where I can actually understand it. So what better way than to have it on Sesame, Sesame Street?
1: Exactly. And they did a good job, too. Because I think what's great about Sesame Street is while it has... Like, it, simple language, it's still not talking down to kids. And I
0: think they actually did a really good job. I agree with you on that, you know, because it depends on how it's portrayed, right? It depends on how they actually mm-hmm. handle it and if the kids can actually gravitate towards it to where they can actually understand it and absorb it into their minds. Yeah. And I felt like they connected with the kids very well. and. I also want to point this out. If Mr. Rogers was still around today, he would actually do the same thing that Sesame Street is doing. Though oh,
1: yeah, he totally would have, because he was big into that stuff. Like, so, him and Jim Henson are two people from my childhood. The more I learn about them, the more I
0: like them. <laughs> same here as well.
1: Okay, so you said you had a top five list, list of Jim Henson works?
0: Oh, yeah, I have... Oh, I think I hear a little bit of an echo in, uh, coming out. I'm not sure if you do. I don't
1: hear it. It might be me, though.
0: Okay. I Try lowering your volume just a tiny bit. I think it might actually work. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. That's actually perfect. Okay. It's okay. It's understandable. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I definitely do have a top five list. And, you know, when I was a kid, my mom actually introduced me to this show called Storytime with Jim Henson. And I remember maybe it came on around maybe eight, maybe nine Mm o'clock, but that was her way of tucking me into bed on some nights when she couldn't read to me or anything like that. So she would put on Jim Henson and I would actually fall asleep to Jim Henson. Oh wow. Yeah. So that story time stuff is something that just stuck with me. And that Mm -hmm. whenever I have kids, and everything, I'm going to wind up carrying that on to my kids, because it's actually on Amazon Prime now, where you can actually binge-watch the regular story time, and also the Greek story time. Oh, yeah, that one, the one with the the
1: guy and the dog, I remember that. Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, I actually got a chance to watch one of them. I actually decided to do it just for this review, mm-hmm. just to revisit my childhood and have that nostalgia feel to it. And one of them was uh, Delis in Icarus.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And yeah, that was actually my favorite one. I think that might have actually what got me into Greek mythology. I'm not sure. Although I've always been into Greek mythology. But mm-hmm. but, you know, for that to be a child story, that was sure was dark. Oh, yeah. For... <laughs> and but there was always a moral behind those stories though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, So that's, behind the darkness, there's some lightness. And Jim Henson was able to balance both lightness and darkness.
1: Oh, yeah, he was really good at that.
0: Exactly. And, you know, with that story, I mean, I remember seeing this, you know, seeing this. I'm like, wow, I was really dark as a kid. Mm I was like, I watched this. And
1: a lot of the stuff from our childhood is really dark when you take a look at it.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Because, here's the thing. In case anybody doesn't know what this story's about, it's about this guy who prays to the Greek gods to have a son. And he has a son, but he's clumsy and he's a klutz. He makes mistakes. And then there's his cousin who doesn't make any mistakes. He's perfect. He's one of the best commentary people that he's ever had. So, You know, of course, his clumsy son is also a little bit jealous of his cousin as well. But he also doesn't say anything or anything like that. He still goes about doing his thing. But the father, on the other hand, is always judging him, putting him down, being very critical towards him. And then Icarus does uh, not Icarus, but his cousin does something where he's just with a, where Icarus's father is just so proud of him. Next thing you know, he picks him up, starts throwing him, like spinning him around on a roof, and then all of a sudden he slips out of, out of his arms. And he drops his cousin. Drops Icarus's cousin. So, you know, I really like the story and the placement and why and what the moral of that story is. It's about jealousy, about not putting down others. It's also mm-hmm. about uh, also, trying to connect with your father or your parents, and try not and see where they're actually coming from as well. But not only that, but also too, you know, you actually might have a childhood where you were actually being judged or being critical, and that's what Jim Henson does. He does things to where you can actually think and actually have a way of connecting with those characters.
1: Yeah, and he also kind of didn't do like what. Uh Well Disney did while Disney took fairy tales and kinda sanitized them, but Jim Henson didn't do that. He's like, We're gonna tell these stories the way they were told. We're not gonna, you know, make it kid friendly.
0: Right. And I'm I appreciate what he did with that. I was saying you know? um what else would you say that's on your list that actually stands out for you from your childhood? Because I wanna actually do like a little back and forth with you on it.
1: Okay, then let me see. I really think probably for me... Now, this was something I discovered in middle school because I had heard of the movie, but I never got a chance to see it. It was the movie Labyrinth.
0: Okay, that's actually on my list. Oh,
1: yeah. And when I saw Labyrinth, that sort of really affected me because, I mean, I was sort... It also introduced me to David Bowie. I know for a lot of people, Mm. that was their introduction to David Bowie, and I got more into his music, but also it was... For me, I really liked the message. Like, okay, for those of you who don't know, in the, sh- the movie Labyrinth, a young girl named Sarah, she's obsessed with fantasy stuff, and she ends up having to watch her brother, and she gets angry at him, and she calls for the goblins to come take the baby away. Of course, she doesn't think that's really going to happen, but then it turns out that they were actually listening, and they take her baby brother, and the king of the goblins, a man named Jareth, Says that you can come get your brother but you're gonna to have to go through my labyrinth and it's about her sort of growing up and trying to become a little more mature but she realizes that just because she's growing up it doesn't mean she can't still enjoy you know the fantastic elements of the world that she liked and while it's not a perfect film i still think it's really enjoyable i love this world he's created created i really love the look of the goblins i love the characters that Sarah meets like i adore ludo he's one of my favorite characters like when i saw him automatically and he's tied up and he says ludo down i'm like oh what a sweet gentle <laughs> soul and believe it or not one of the sergidimus puppets is at the center for puppetry Arts.
0: that's pretty awesome that they actually have a labyrinth puppet there oh, yeah. you know it's so iconic
1: (laughs) i'm never gonna forget this but i was at the center with my mom and i think there was a a field trip and they also had the two door knockers the ones that talk and i guess some of these kids they didn't know what it's like what is this and so me being me i said oh those are the door knockers from the movie labyrinth but there was this one little kid who said no it's the beast like he sounded so scared and i was like oh my god where did you pick that up i just thought it was really (laughs) funny.
0: That was funny, though. I mean, to us, we all, we know what they are. But to a little kid, anything that uh, is kind of different and everything would actually scare them. So I can definitely tell where you would actually get that from. That's actually pretty cool.
1: I will say, parents, if you're listening to this, probably don't show Labyrinth to kids who are maybe under, like, 10. Because it is a little scary at some
0: points. Right. It is kind of dark for a movie with puppets and stuff like that and David Bowie's in it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was in fifth grade whenever I was introduced to this movie. And at that time, I grew up on 60s and 70s music. So mm-hmm. really, I didn't really gravitate towards 80s music until a little later. Yeah. So I didn't know who David Bowie was. But I've always had this magnetic field towards the dark arts kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like something that's dark, like the crow, for instance. Oh, yeah. Things like that. Something gothic looking and dungy looking. And I'm like, okay, I'm sold. And the bell rings for me to go for me to go home. I'm like, and the movie's not even done yet. I'm still sitting there. <laughs> the teacher literally had to pull me away from the TV. Oh man. He's like, it's time to go. I was like, I know. Start. It's just <laughs> Just let me finish. <laughs> You're right. He goes, look, we'll finish it tomorrow. I'm like, promise? He goes, Yeah. And then as I as I did this. As I'm walking away, I'm still watching the TV. I'm lo- looking at the teacher. I'm watching, and then all of a sudden, he pulls the plug. I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I'll go. I'll go home."
1: <laughs> okay. Um. Also, for those of you who are not aware, there's actually currently a um labyrinth comic. It is collected in some uh, graphic novel form. The first one's called Labyrinth Nation. If you guys are ever interested, it's basically the backstory about Jareth. I found it really interesting. I've only read the first two. I haven't got the third one, but if you guys want to learn more about that world, I highly
0: recommend it. Okay. I think I remember hearing that they did a comic on it, and I forgot all about it until now, you know? It's, it's really
1: good, and um, I do think it does a really good job of. See, what it is, it's Jareth is telling Toby the story, and it's um, between him and another goblin. Like, this goblin is trying to get Toby to stop crying. And so it's going between Jareth
0: and the Goblin telling the story. Oh, nice. I'm definitely going to have to buy that comic now.
1: Yeah. And the art's really good, too. So that's always a plus.
0: Okay. And let's see. There's also something else, too. Like, uh, my introduction to David Bowie, though, too, was uh, the wedding singer with China Girl. China Girl? Yeah. uh, Just hush your mouth. A little. uh, So it's called China Girl. I believe, by David Bowie. And it was in The Wedding Singer? Yeah, it was in The Wedding Singer.
1: Well, oh, the one with um Adam Sandler. Yep. Oh, cool. I think my first song I heard from him, I think it might have been uh... Oh, Changes.
0: Oh, that's a good one, though, too.
1: Oh, yeah. That was in the but... uh, Shrek movie.
0: I remember
1: the, the second Shrek movie that was on the soundtrack. I remember that.
0: You can't go wrong with David Bowie. I'll tell you that. No, you really can't. But uh, anything else that you want to actually uh, collaborate on with Labyrinth, though?
1: Um, Well, I will say that, um, unfortunately, when Labyrinth came out originally, it did not do well at the box office. And that really affected Jim Henson because I guess he thought the world was going to love it. So I am kind of happy that it sort of got new life as like a pop culture classic, because I think it was kind of it sucks that it didn't
0: do well when it originally came out. Right, I remember hearing about that, that all of a sudden it became like a cult uh, classic.
1: Mm -hmm. That's usually what
0: happens a lot of times with movies. Right, I'm happy that it actually did get that following later on Mm -hmm. to where it became a cult classic. And it just sucks though that Jim worked his ass off on it. Yeah. And it was poorly received. And I think it was the fact that, number one, maybe kids didn't gravitate towards it like you thought because it's yeah. how gothic it looked. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, it was also set in a fantasy setting type of thing. But it was also one of those things that are kind of different, kind of sticks out a little bit more than what uh, his other movies did. Yeah. At that time. So I can definitely tell why parents are a little bit hesitant because of their kids and the age uh, age as well.
1: Yeah, I also just think, as much as I love Labyrinth, the story is not as strong in some in some points, so that might have been another issue. But um, all in all, I really think Labyrinth is still a pretty good movie.
0: I think so, too. And not only that, but I feel like there's actually a message in this one. Oh, yeah. And uh, and you, you know how the girl said, I'm going to call the trolls or whoever got- to take away the baby. Yeah. It's kind of like our parents, right? It's mm-hmm. like... Well, if you don't behave, I'm just going to go on ahead and uh, put you somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you don't think they're going to do it or whatever until they actually do it. Yeah. Like trying to teach obedience. And I feel like that's kind of the message that you have here. Treat others respect
1: yeah and i also think it was sort of trying to teach her you know like the movie was the story is trying to teach her you know i understand you're upset but that's no reason to take it out on the baby he didn't do anything. he's just a baby he can't do anything i remember showing that movie to my niece and she was maybe six or seven at the time and she got upset and i was going to turn the movie off but the reason she was upset was because sarah was being mean to baby toby I'm like yeah, yeah that's a little upsetting, especially when you get older. Because the baby, he doesn't understand what's going on. He's crying because he's no. a baby.
0: <laughs> exactly. So,
1: oh, fun let's fact: see. that little baby was the son of Brian Froud, who worked on um, *Labyrinth* and *Dark Crystal* with Jim Henson. And that little baby actually ended up working on the new *Dark Crystal* show, *Age of
0: Resistance*. Oh, nice! <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you about this. What did you think of the? of that show on Netflix.
1: I loved it. I was surprised at how good it was because I've noticed when it comes to reboots, they're either really bad or really good. Like there's not an in between. So I was surprised at how good this was. And it did a good job of explaining the lore of the world and giving us interesting characters. Like it did such a good job. And I think, um, I kind of think it also sort of sets like, a precedent or, like, an example of, like, how to do a re- reboot or, like, continue to retell a story, you know?
0: Right. And I totally agree with you on that. And, matter of fact, I'll, I'm going to have to send you the link uh, once we get off because I think this is actually going to make you geek out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'll, back about maybe two or three years ago, Christian Harloff off of uh, Collider Live actually mm-hmm. interviewed him. Oh, really? Yeah. And he said the main thing going in was the storytelling and making sure all the pieces fit right and felt mm-hmm. right
1: yeah. and made,
0: made it look like it was a continuation rather than just a total reboot. Yeah. And everything. Cause he wanted to have the respect of the characters and everything and serve the characters to the uh, fans and mm-hmm. made sure everything was perfect.
1: Yeah. I think that's probably then why, um, uh... It feels like it just feels like it was treated with respect, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, like when I hear about reboots, I automatically kind of get worried just because there's been so many bad ones. But with Dark Crystal, I think they did a fantastic job, and I think it's one of the better, like, reboots in Hollywood.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to check it out. It just makes me sad that there's not going to be another season. Cause there they might
1: B, because the thing is, is Netflix has a tendency to sometimes cancel shows after one season, but then they get picked up by another, um, another studio or something, because I was right. really upset because my favorite show on Netflix is Tuca and Birdie, and it got canceled after one season, but then Adult Swim came along and says, we're going to host the show now. So I think Dark Crystal has a chance, but also I know Lisa Henson said they're going to still continue to tell the story, just possibly in a different medium,
0: which... okay. So um, right, exactly. what's
1: next on your list?
0: Okay, so what I have on mine is The Great Muppet Caper. Yes, that's a good one. Thanks. Because, get this, I remember actually owning this on VHS. And not only that, but I also saw this in school too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't ask me why. They always show movies at school. But <laughs> down in the South, that's all they show is like, okay, kids are bored. I'm bored. Let's put a movie on.
1: Yeah, I mean, but, it's- probably one of the better movies to show because there's nothing bad in it.
0: No, nothing at all. And I'm also a big fan of heist movies, but it's funny that this Muppet movie is like a heist movie. And then also, too, you have Miss Piggy in this movie, who's actually pretending to be somebody that she's not. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: And my favorite thing that happens is whenever she's into this rich guy's home and Kermit <laughs> is actually thinking that she's rich <laughs> <laughs> she's sneaking into the house and she's not being very crafty at all the guy is over there talking he knows that she's trying to break in and so my favorite thing is whenever she's showing Carmen around oh yeah this is like the shower it has hot water it might have a bathroom and then she goes <laughs> into the closet and just and then all of a sudden the guy opens up the door just Hello, can you offer us a good restaurant that we can go to? And then he tells her, and then she goes, "Yeah, I forgot what restaurant he uh, tells her." Just he okay, thank you, Jeeves. <laughs> and then he
1: walks out. Yeah, and I remember that he was sitting at the table with his his hus his hus her, no no his wife, and I remember the doorbells ringing they're having a conversation and miss pinky is like looking at them like why do you go answer the door and then she finally just goes i'll oh, get it and runs to get the door <laughs> that makes me laugh. That move, i feel the movie is a little bit funnier than the uh the muppet movie i still love the muppet movie but i feel like the muppet caper's is just a little bit funnier exactly it just makes me laugh so much and one of my favorite line my favorite one is um, I always remember this is um I think it was Zero Mostel was in the movie as like the truck driver or something and he gets thrown out of the truck and he gets a trash can and Oscar pops out and says hey what are you doing here and he goes what are you doing here and Oscar goes a very brief cameo and the actor goes
0: me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I it's love that sense of humor so much. Same here. Um, there's actually another scene that I love and it's with Peter Falk from Colombo. hmm And Kermit's actually sitting on the bench with Miss Piggy's um shoe, right? Oh and, yeah. and he goes I over there. And goes, right. And he goes, I know what's wrong with you, son. He goes, you opened up a dry cleaner business. It went south. The other dry, there was another dry cleaner that opened up across the street. And they were working 10 times harder than, the, than me. But, that's, but that was not my fault. I made sure that everything was done right. Then you find out that your wife wants to leave you because the business is not doing well. And then you, then, your sister winds up calling you, telling, her, telling you that she's going to be going through a divorce. So she has to move in with you and you agree to it, but at the same time, it still sucks. And Kermit's like, no, that is not right. <laughs> and and uh, he goes, by the way, want to buy a watch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so great.
1: Yeah, I really, I also really liked um, the fact that uh, like Miss Piggy was didn't have just Kermit was into her, but the um, Nikki Holiday, the villain of the movie, and Lady Holiday's brother was, like, also into her, and I was, like, "Oh," And I just, I really liked that for her.
0: I did, too. It was, like, a love triangle.
1: Yeah. And it worked. Like, you wouldn't think it's, like, it it would work, but
0: it did, in a way. Right. And then, also, too, okay, you remember the castle scene, where they are actually climbing on top? Mm -hmm. They actually had to get an elevator. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they actually had to get a little small elevator, and they all had to lay down on their sides, 18 uh, inches apart from each other, Or uh, and it was all, um basically it looked like a bunk bed, oh. the way that was actually is, and they were all scared that they were all going to probably die if this thing collapsed.
1: I think it's so many practical effects for these
0: movies, it is amazing. It definitely is because he want Jim wanted to have all these Muppets going up on the side of the building all at the same time. Yeah. So he made a little small elevator to where the puppeteers could actually get on the elevator. And as they're lifting these these guys up on the elevator, the Muppets are moving with them to make it look like they're actually running on top of the build on uh, the side of the building.
1: See, it's funny as a kid, because the thing about the Muppets is even though we know they're puppets, as a kid, I just I thought they were all real, you know, it's like, so right. I was like, they're actually doing that. And in a way, I sometimes I'm like, yeah, the Muppets are real people. You can't tell, convince me otherwise. But it's like, you know, we have to remember those were puppeteers working those. So exactly, it's, you know how much they loved what they were doing and their craft that they would do something so risky.
0: Exactly, because it does feel like that they're real people, the pup Muppets do feel like a real person and everything. they have the personality behind them that the puppeteers gives them, and we forget all about that and just be glued to these characters
1: Mhm that's why um somebody I remember reading this on Tumblr, but someone said that um I think it might have been for some interview on like a late night talk show they weren't picking up Kermit's voice, but then they realized they had put the microphone on Kermit because they just forgot that Kermit was in fact a puppet, you know, it's like, Oh, we need to actually put this on Jim. But see also then when Jim would be doing a puppet, people weren't paying attention to him. They were paying attention to the puppet, you know? Right. Exactly. You just forget he was there.
0: <laughs> Hello. Yeah,
1: I'm still here. Okay,
0: just making sure you kind of broke up a little bit, but um, another thing though too is remember the Happiness Hotel or the Happy Hotel? Yeah,
1: that's my like, like one of my favorite songs is Happiness Hotel.
0: Mine too, and I love it. Whenever my favorite line in the song is, it goes, how would you like to actually pay for your hotel?" Yes,
1: yes, yes! Oh, this is my favorite line.
0: Credit card
1: choices: uh, a credit card, b. Cash,
0: C sneak out in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Waka Waka. Um was uh Yeah. He winds up saying, Well, I'll I like uh C <laughs> Very and oh yeah, and then the guy who's at the desk goes very popular choice. <laughs> well, this movie is so funny. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it really is. It, it's it's a classic. It's a must watch if anybody hasn't seen it or introduce it to your kids or anything like that. It's actually one of my favorite Muppet movies. Oh yeah, so, I think exactly, what you have on yours. Probably my
1: number four too, just because it's so funny and the characters are so much fun. Uh It's just such a good movie. And it's a good like sequel, too. See, originally Jim Henson wanted to work on Dark Crystal right away, but they were like, actually, could you make a second Muppet movie? Because like, for those of you who don't know, the Muppets were so popular when they first came on the scene. They were huge. The Muppet show was super popular and it lasted for five seasons.
0: Right. And it's crazy that it lasted for five years, which is actually the most Uh, that you would actually see for, like, a Muppet type of TV show or something like that for kids. Yeah.
1: And, like, the thing was, is also, it was... See, they filmed a lot of it in London, and it was super popular over there. Like, they would have people come to try to get autographs from them. Like, London loved the Muppets.
0: I could see that. I could definitely see that.
1: I think think Muppet Caper is my number four, too.
0: Okay. Uh, Do you have... a? another one on your list?
1: Okay, let me think. So for number three, I'm not really doing these in any particular order, okay. um, but I think for number three this one might be one people haven't heard of, but it, it's called A Muppet Family Christmas and it is this... um. It is a, you know, it's a little special. And see what it is is the Muppets are all going to Fozzie's mom's house for Christmas. But it's not just the Muppets. The Sesame Street gang show up and so do the Fraggles. So there's this part towards the end where um uh Kermit and his um his nephew Robin, they get um lost and they find um they find the fraggles, they run across the fraggles and they also um meet Doc and uh, Sprocket. Sprocket are on vacation too when they're staying at Fozzie's mom's house. So you get to see all these characters come together and you know, interact. It's kind of like, you know, how the like um, Avengers Endgame brought all those heroes together? This is like the Avengers Endgame of Muppet movies.
0: Oh, nice. I haven't seen that one, to be honest with you.
1: It's really good and I highly recommend it because it's just... I love Christmas, and so I love Christmas movies, and it's just really enjoyable, and it's very, like, one of the things I like about The Muppets is just, it's very madcap, like, it's very insane, they're bouncing off the walls, and it has that, the the madcapness, but it's still very um, sweet and heartfelt and see what I like at the end is it ends with Jim Henson talking to Sprocket like Jim is looking in at the Muppets and being like oh they're having so much fun it's like okay Sprocket let's finish up the dishes and so he and Sprocket go to do the dishes it's just it's really cute and I recommend it if you guys haven't seen it I think you can find it on DVD so if you guys haven't seen it totally recommend it
0: alright um, this is actually my last one on the list and that is The Witches
1: Oh, The Witches, yes. Oh, I'm so glad we get to talk about The Witches.
0: (laughs) Me too. Let me just tell you this. I remember my grandmother recorded this for me on VHS, right? Oh, really? I didn't even know that this was a Jim Henson movie. It didn't didn't feel like a Jim Henson Henson movie. movie. Right. I didn't know it was a
1: Jim Henson film until much later.
0: Same here. Same here as well. Because it didn't have that... Um, puppeteer kind of thing, either it was very on- it was his own thing, right mm-hmm. it, it, and I really appreciated Jim for trying to do something different. He's like, look, I'm so much more than just the pup uh, the Muppets and everything. Mm-hmm. I can do stuff that's outside of the realm of the Muppets. I can actually do something with witches, and I loved how we did the mythology of the witches. I loved how the grandmother tells the story to her grandson about the witches and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then all of a sudden they go to this hotel. That, and kind that of, a, yeah. if you think about it, though, and and I want your opinion on this, but do you feel like it's a little bit of a Stanley Hotel kind of thing from The Shining, a little bit?
1: Kind of. Now, see the witches. I don't know if you know this. This was based off a book by Raul Dahl, the guy who wrote uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, I didn't know that either. And see, I read the book, too. And the book is just as... See, Ronald Dahl was another person who didn't believe in, like, you know, coddling kids and stuff. So it was very, you know, dark and creepy. And so, like, when you read it and then you... <laughs> Sorry, that was one of the dogs. When you it's okay. the movie, it's so different from the other stuff he did, just because I feel like almost I think this is actually darker than both uh Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, just because the witches are so terrifying.
0: I agree with you because here's the thing. We don't they look like normal human beings, right? Mm-hmm. And the cosmetic makeup of that thing was just awesome, especially when the woman, the witch, winds up taking off her skin, taking off that makeup. So creepy. <laughs> it really is because she's actually ter- looks like she's taking her skin off oh, yeah. and taking her face off, and literally just sitting it down on the table like it was nothing.
1: Yeah, and like and also like the witches were so gung-ho about getting rid of all the kids i was just like how could you hate killing kids this much it was so disturbing they were just like yeah we're gonna turn them all into mice and i'm like what the heck is wrong with you ladies oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> y'all are terrifying
0: right and then that, i felt bad for uh the, this other kid's friend who was actually the first one. Oh yeah get, uh, bruno bruno, bruno was yes
1: name. And his parents at first didn't believe him. Oh, my favorite scene is when the grandmother sees that the. Okay, so for guys, for, for those of you who have not seen this movie, in order to turn the children into witches, they're the, the kids into mice. The witches are going to spike chocolate with a special potion, but the main boy named Luke figures out how to get the potion, and he spikes a soup that they're going to eat. However, um, Bruce's Bruno's parents. He's also been turned into a mouse. He's. About to one of them the, the dad is about to drink the soup and the grandmother sees it and she runs like across the room grabs the soup and pours it out like she's being all dramatic and she told them before that bruno was turned into a mouse but they didn't believe her but then what she does is she has her purse she opens it up and the mouse is like hi mom hi dad and the mother <laughs> loses her mind and it is beautiful i feel right a little bad for her though because then you see her crying later she's like oh my god and i'm like oh man i feel kind of bad for laughing
0: at her now me too because it i guess she's that little bit of a tearjerker a little bit it's like you see lady i told you all along and now you didn't even believe me and then all of a sudden my son my poor son i'm like okay now i have to feel empathy i oh, you know what's really messed up in the mm. book, the boys don't get to turn back into
1: humans. They stay mice.
0: Oh, that is so sad. That I that. Know.
1: I was so shocked when I read the book and then I found out Ronald Dahl was so mad that they changed the ending. But Jim Henson kind of didn't have a choice because when they showed it originally, people didn't like the ending, so in order to appease you know, the company, he had to change the ending, but Ronald Dahl was so mad about that that he removed his name from the movie.
0: Oh, I- but, you know, that's, just the, that's just, just the show, you know, you have to do what's best for the universe that you're trying to create create, and everything and also, when you're doing a movie.
1: That is a really just a dark ending, too. I kind of prefer the movie's ending just because Miss um, Ir- Miss I think it was Ir- 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 Irving, I can't remember, she was the like assistant to the witch. Mm-hmm. Like, through the whole thing, the, the main witch doesn't treat her right, so at the end, when the witch says, you can't join our banquet, go to your room, she's like, I quit. I'm done. And then she becomes a exactly. witch and turns Luke back into a boy, and I'm like, oh, I actually like that ending much more.
0: I do, too. It shows that there's some layers to her. Yeah. Her thing. And everything. Is there's some goodness underneath that darkness, and that's something that I really loved about that. hmm And also, too, you know the part where uh the uh the grandmother winds up opening up the purse, and you know, and then there's Bruno in the purse-hmm my favorite line that Bruno says, oh, ma, it's not that bad being a mouse is not that bad at all because <laughs> I quite prefer it actually i I can eat some of the crumbs." <laughs> <laughs> so he's adjusted to it very well he's like I'm, I'm good i'm fine and he's like he i also
1: feel like he was trying to sort of make his mom feel better because she was just so upset and he's like oh
0: come on mom oh uh. okay another I thing every single time it's on, i watch this movie every single time it's on satellite
1: oh it's such a good movie but parents this is another movie i'm gonna maybe recommend your kids be maybe like 12 or 13, because this one is really dark and it gets really scary at some points. I'm mean, like also there's this one scene. I don't know if you remember it, but uh, to try to catch Luke, there was this woman just she's for some reason she's sleeping outside on a bench and she's got a baby and a carriage, and the grand high witch pushes the carriage, and the baby starts going down this hill towards a cliff.
0: Oh, I remember that scene.
1: That is so that. terrifying. And Luke. Goes to save the baby. He saves the baby, thankfully, but I'm like, that is really, really scary. Not just for like a kid, but also for an adult, man.
0: Exactly. And it gave me goosebumps as a kid watching that. I'm like, Luke, get him, get the kid. I'm, I'm, sitting I'm, there like,
1: get the baby, get the baby, get right the baby. Oh, it's so <laughs> thank We <laughs> finally saved the baby. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I can't say anything happening to babies. I'm like, nope, uh uh-uh. uh.
0: <laughs> me either.
1: Okay, so is it my turn now? Yeah, it's your turn. All right, so for this is not a movie. It's more of a show, but I'm going to talk about it anyways because it's really, really good. It's um, the original Fraggle Rock. So for those of you, if you have not seen it, Fraggle Rock is about these creatures called Fraggles. Now, see, the show has two components. There's a human who has a dog named Sprocket, and the show was made for international audiences, so the human changed depending on where you saw it. In America, it was Doc, an old inventor. And then I think in England, it was um, a captain. I can't remember for the other countries, but basically they made this show with the intention of it being a universal thing. So Fraggle Rock debuted in 1983. And what's really cool is that it was the first American TV show to be broadcasted in the Soviet Union.
0: That is crazy. That's like history right there. I know. Because how strict they are.
1: He wanted the show to be sort of like a show that could teach, you know, people how to sort of care and interact with other people. I'm going to try to explain the plot a little more because it's called Fraggle Rock and the main characters are the Fraggles. There are these colorful little creatures that live in a place called Fraggle Rock and they just like to have fun and play. And there are two other um, species. There are the Gorgs who are these giant creatures who think they rule the universe and then they have the doos, the doozers which are these little green guys who build um what do you call them like structures all the time uh-huh. and there's also they have two of the fraggles and some of the doozers at um the center but basically what jim wanted to do was show how the like if one person does something it can affect somebody else and that was what he wanted to show like if the the gourds do something it'll affect the fraggles And if the fraggles do something, it affects the doozers. So he wanted to sort of show how, you know, we're all connected in a way. Okay. Like, it's really deep, but he did such a good job of sort of, you know, showing, uh, being able to tell a story and show these ideas in a, you know, a way that was easy for kids to digest, but also something that adults could enjoy. Because I really, I, I watched all of, like, Fraggle Rock when I got older, and it's like, I still really enjoy this. And what I also really like is the world that he created for the Fraggles because, like, for um, example, one of the big things is Fraggles love radishes. I don't know why they just love radishes. That's what they eat and what they steal from the gorg's um, garden all the time. And it turns out that the Doozers use radish dust to make their um, architecture. So the the Fraggles are always eating the Doozers' arch- architecture. And the Doozers are just like, oh, yay, they're eating it. Like, they take that as a compliment.
0: You know what? I think I remember this as a kid. I just didn't remember what it was called. Mm -hmm. I do remember something about Radishes.
1: I think one of the best theme songs in the world, like I think the Fraggle Rock theme song is fantastic. So um, there is rumors that they might be doing a Fraggle Rock movie. I would kind of be interested in seeing how they would do that because I heard the plot was, um, see, what they call our world, the world of humans, they call it outer space. And the That's first, actually pretty cool. Yeah, I actually like that. The um, And we're called the silly creatures. Humans are the silly creatures. And see, the first episode features Gobo, the main fraggle. His uncle, Matt, is going out into outer space and traveling the world. And in each episode, Matt sends a postcard to Gobo about what he's discovered in the world and it's really funny seeing this creature trying to describe stuff in our world and getting it wrong but it's just kind of, it's kind of cute because it's like well he's he's trying he doesn't understand what's going on but at least he's trying
0: <laughs> exactly all right i i definitely i'm definitely interested in a movie as well i would actually sit there and watch a movie of that
1: yeah i really am hoping that they uh, figure out what they want to do with the movie because i'd love to see that
0: same here. So is there anything else that you would like to actually touch on as far as your movie list or anything else? Um, I'm
1: trying to think if there's anything else. I would probably uh, oh, oh oh, actually yes there's something I want to talk about because I find this really interesting. Um, I'm not this is another movie that I feel like some people may have not seen is The Muppets Take Manhattan. Now this wasn't directed by Manhattan. Uh, okay. it was directed by Frank Oz but you know, Jim was the voice of Kermit. Um, in this movie, there is a scene where uh, Piggy and Kermie, Kermit, are on a uh, carriage ride, and they are starting to talk. And Piggy's like, "Could you imagine us as babies?" And then she has this dream sequence where she, Kermit, Gonzo, Fozzie, and Ralph are all babies, and that was the first instance of Muppet babies. And See, Jim didn't think anything of it. He's like, this is just going to be dream sequence. But then he got so many people saying, hey, could we market the Muppet Babies? Like, he was really confused. He's like, why do people want to market this? It was so weird to him. But um, the Muppet Babies came from that, and then they made the show. And the thing is, is the reason we have, like, people trying to do baby versions of characters is because of Muppet Babies.
0: I can see that because I used to grow up watching the Muppet Babies as well. as a
1: kid. Yeah, like, it was in for it. a very long time. Like, Muppet Babies was another massive hit that I feel like some people they try to copy it with now understanding why the Muppet Babies did so well.
0: Exactly. I think the only ones that actually did it right was probably Rugrats. Oh, yeah. It's probably the only ones that was able to actually get the formula kind of right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like I feel like they kind of just didn't understand. It's like, oh, these things are as babies, that's a great idea. It's like, no, there's more to it. Because the thing about the Muppet babies was their
0: imaginations and how they try to explore the world. Right, exactly. Because everything is bigger than they are. Mm-hmm. They're try- They're curious, just like any other kid would be. And yet
1: using their imagination and sometimes mm-hmm. using like popular culture in their world. I'm like, that's actually a smart idea because kids do that all the time.
0: Right, I remember doing that as a kid, and not only that, I still remember the Muppet ba- uh, baby, Kermit Frog, actually dressed up like Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. that's a popular one, and they also did a parody of Star Wars, which I don't, this is, I think, something a lot of people don't know, because they're like, oh, uh, the Muppet babies, like, uh, foretold Disney buying Star Wars, but, like, Jim Henson was friends with George Lucas. Like George Lucas um, approached Jim and was like, "I want you to make a puppet for me." That was, of course, Yoda. Yoda was a puppet before he became CGI. But he like approached Jim. He's like, "You're the best puppeteer in the biz. I want you to make a puppet for me." for my next movie, because I think it was the second movie when Yoda officially appears in the, the original trilogy, and he's like, I want you to do it. Yep. And so, with that, um, you know, Jim worked with George, and then George helped him with Dark Crystal, so they were, like, you know, they were pretty close. They were close. It doesn't really surprise right. me at all.
0: Um, Same hair as well.
1: Because they're very similar people, and then according to, uh, like, Mark Hamill and other people, sometimes Frank Oz, while well, they were doing the scenes for the uh the movie, he would sometimes like slip into Miss Piggy's voice just to make them laugh. Like I, from what I understand, working with Frank Oz on um, Star Wars was like a lot of fun. And for Star Wars fans who want to see something really funny, go to YouTube and search for the Muppet Show episode where uh, Mark Hamill, C-3PO and R2-D2 are on the Muppet Show as their characters. It's really, really funny.
0: I think I remember seeing that, but I forgot the lines from that sh- that episode and everything. So I'm definitely gonna have to go back and rewatch.
1: Funny that. because the, um, Luke says Mark Hamill is his cousin, and there's this part where he goes and changes back into Mark Hamill. But then it's like, oh, we don't want Mark Hamill; we want Luke Skywalker. So he goes out and changes back into Luke. It's really funny. Also,
0: okay, goes, I might have to check that one out.
1: It's really funny. I highly recommend
0: it. All right, so. Now we're going to get into this other part of the segment about what Jim Henson actually means to us okay. as fans, as film fans, and things like that. Because that's what I wanted to touch on too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, before we actually end, end the show and everything, because I feel like he has a big, huge emotional impact on us as kids, but not only as kids, but as adults as well. Yeah. And I believe he's also the reason why we also love film today as well. Oh yeah. I also feel
1: like a lot of people don't realize how much Jim Henson has impacted puppetry as an art form, too. Like, the thing about Jim is he always wanted people to realize that puppetry was a medium. It's not just for kids. It's not a genre, you know? And that's why he made Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, you know? It's like, this is not for kids. Like, you can use puppets to tell A compelling story no matter what. And he also, because of his innovations, he's affected special effects too. And I just feel like some people maybe don't realize because like the Jim Henson um creature shop is still around. They're still working on movies, you know? And I think another thing is just one of the things I saw about Jim Henson is he put so much character into Kermit and Rolf and all those other characters that you feel like you know he's still there when you watch some of the movies. Like he's still here, even though he's unfortunately passed on. Especially with Kermit, because I feel like Kermit has this ability to just make you feel really good about yourself in some way. Cause
0: most definitely,
1: yeah. Because um, like Jim Henson was just this guy with a really big heart, and he like loved everybody, and he put that into Kermit. So I feel like Kermit just like when you talk to him, if you could like sit down and talk to Kermit, he would just make you feel kind of good about yourself, you know, because Kermit is Jim in a way.
0: Yeah. I can definitely see that. You can definitely see that lightheartedness that Jim has. You can tell and the tone with Kermit as well, that there is a soul inside of that puppet that Jim had created for him. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely see that. Yeah
1: like you know and I said like unfortunately Jim passed on but we still have the Muppets you know so I still feel like in a way he's still here and my favorite quote from Jim was I want to leave the world a better place than I found it and that's sort of what I want to do with the stuff I create you know it's like you want your impact to be a good one and I think Jim Henson has one of the best impacts ever, because not only did he make The Muppets, but he created Sesame Street, the show that's continued to teach children for generations, and it's still going, you know? Um, And you have something like Frivel Rock, that was the first American show to be shown in the Soviet Union and was teaching kids about, you know, how we're all connected. Like, his works still hold up, and, you know, they're still here. We still have Sesame Street,
0: I agree with you on that. And also, too, I feel like with me, as someone that's a film fan and stuff like that, too, you know, we still have some Sesame Street, like you said.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Sesame Street still sticks with me no matter what. You know, I still love uh, the Big Bird movie. Ooh, yes. Oh, you know? that bird. Right. That that's one of my favorite movies I don't care what anyone says that's one of my favorite Sesame Street movies as a kid it's good <laughs> um, it, it, it is a really good movie uh, but you know as far as the impact that he had on me it had my full attention at think for yourself not only think for yourself but use your imagination it's okay to use your imagination it's okay to be different from everybody else yep. and yep. You know it's just one of those things that just stuck with me as a film fan because of the fact that we all love different things, oh yeah, and he's also taught us how to also respect each other's opinions regardless of how different they are, mm-hmm. and that's what the kind of thing that I actually stick with that sticks with me and still sticks with me to this day and allows me to do what I'm doing now with the podcast, it allows me to actually interact with everyone, and also too allows me to respect other people's opinions regardless of the fact that. My A uh, movie that I might have seen is different from somebody else, yeah. else's. Point. Yeah, like, you know, th-
1: that's such a, you know, a great thing also to teach kids too. just because, you know, it's like, you know, when you're little, it's like you, you hold your opinion in such high regard, but learning that your opinion is different from somebody else's and learning that's okay is an important thing to learn. And I think exactly. another thing about Jim is he also had great respect for other cultures and knew how to show his appreciation in a good way. Cause I remember a lot of stuff like in um, Sesame street, when I watched it, it would be stuff about other kids in different parts of the world. And I found that fascinating, you know, and he was able to present it in a way that was entertaining, but also made me learn about these kids all in all around the world.
0: Exactly, because it's like, look, there's going to be other people that are different from you. Other cultures are going to believe in different things. Other cultures are actually going to eat different types of food than what we do. So you need to learn about about this and also to learn to respect other people's culture, regardless of the fact of what other people may think of it.
1: Yeah, so I think really just boils down to Jim sort of, you know, he inspires us to be creative. It's okay to be a little mm-hmm. weird. Everybody is. And also just, you know, to be kind to each other. Like when he was going to pass away, the last thing he said is like love, like, love each other. That's what he said to his family and friends. He's like, be kind to one another and love each other. You know, that's what he loved the world with. And I think that's just, that just shows what kind of person he was.
0: Agreed. I, I strongly agree with you on that. Alright. So, let's see here. You know we've been doing our 31 Days of Horror. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And, yes, and this actually makes day five, I believe, oh. because I started doing this over the, uh, on Monday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so this actually makes day fi- four or five for us, for 31 Days of Horror. Awesome. And I want it not, and here's the thing I just want this to be a movie that you love. And this is not going to be about me because everybody um, has been hearing my voice and also other people's voices. Mm-hmm. But I want them just to hear your voice and what you love, what horror movie you love. Okay, this one was a
1: little hard for me because it was between two movies. But I think probably right now, still my favorite horror movie is the movie Slither, directed by James Gunn. Mm. And this was before he did Guardians of the Galaxy. It stars um, Michael Rooker. It stars uh, Nathan Fillion. I am blanking on the the name of the girl who plays Starla. I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. But um, I watched this like after I watched um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Elizabeth Banks. A uh, Garden yeah, right. and I really liked it because it was able to sort of balance comedy and horror. I've noticed that some people try to balance that, and then it doesn't work. But the movie mm-hmm. is scary, but also still really funny. So the basic plot is this: alien comes down, and they're like alien slugs, and like, oh, that's not scary. But the thing is, these people, these creatures, invade people, and creates a hive mind and what happens is it infects this man named grant grant and that is the character played by um michael rooker it um infects him and he in turn starts infecting other people and um his wife and the police sheriff and this young girl like the three last people to try to stop it and everything nathan fillion plays the police chief it's really it's weird but also, that is sort of what I think, I think this is the movie that sort of made Marvel go like, huh, maybe this guy could do Guardians of the Galaxy, because it feels, the humor feels Guardians of the Galaxy-esque, in a way.
0: It really does, as a matter of fact, that's, uh, Slither was actually my first movie that I've ever seen, uh, James Gunn direct. Oh, really? And... Yes, this is actually the first time that I actually got introduced into James, uh, James Gunn. See, for me, it was Scooby-Doo, but then I saw
1: Guardians, and I didn't realize he had directed those two, and then someone's like, oh, you need to see Slither. And so me and my friends, like, did a little movie night and on the computer, and we watched Slither, and I really enjoyed it, just because it was, you know, it felt a little just different. And also, I'm like, yeah, I can see why somebody would watch this and be like, he would fit with okay. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, just because yeah I just and also I really like they they used a lot of practical effects too I always appreciate seeing practical effects and um from what I understand that um the makeup that uh Michael Rooker had to do for the monster he turns in it took hours to get into like that makeup and to get out of it and everything but he's some he's a person who sort of gives it his all so he didn't really care because when he had to play yondu the blue guy with the fin for uh guardians Uh that took a lot of time too it took hours to get into that makeup
0: exactly and he did such a great job at playing yondu yondu is actually one of my favorite characters from guardians of the galaxy
1: i could talk about yondu all day Ask my (laughs) fiance i'm like madly in love with that character
0: (laughs) that's that's awesome
1: I think, actually, probably um, for, like, top five Rooker roles, I think uh, him being Grant Grant is probably number three. He was, like, he did... And it's funny because it's such a different character from what he sometimes usually plays. He sort of plays, like, the badass with the heart of gold. Grant
0: Grant is a dork. Yeah, like, he's... He's, like, the he, douchebag of the small town. He kind of is, but he's also a
1: dork, and see... I felt a little bad for him because there was this scene where I thought he was going to cheat on his wife, but then he's like, no, I've got to go home to her. And I'm like, oh, they could have worked it out if it wasn't for this alien that affects his body. (laughs) (laughs) And this is another one. Guys do not let kids watch this. Wait until they're at least maybe 16. It's really, not only is it dark, but there's a lot of cursing in it too.
0: I agree with you on that one too. That, that is definitely not for kids. And you know, I want to also mention this. It had that level of cheesiness where it actually fits in with the universe that James Gunn had actually created yeah. for that movie, and it yeah. balances stuff out really well.
1: Yeah, it, it works. Like, I think the thing about James Gunn is, with the way he is, he's so good at balancing cheesiness and making it work, you know, because, like... I remember liking the Scooby-Doo movie when I was little and then learning that he wanted it to be a little, like, a lot darker. And I'm like, that doesn't surprise me. And also, what is funny is, for those of you who don't know, I'm sorry if I keep saying for those of you who don't know, but if you've watched the Scooby-Doo cartoon, Scooby used to have a nephew named Scrappy-Doo. People hated him. He was so annoying.
0: I remember people being annoyed with Scrappy. I, I, I still remember that to this day.
1: And James (laughs) Gunn also hated him. him. So in the Scooby-Doo movie, the reason he had Scrappy be the villain was just because he hated Scrappy so much. And because of that, they haven't used Scrappy for anything else.
0: I can understand that. Because I was like, you know, at first when I was a kid, I thought I liked Scrappy. And then as I got a little bit older, I'm like, okay, he's annoying. I
1: don't think I ever liked him. Yeah, so, like, I would recommend Slither for those of you who like James Gunn's stuff and also kind of, like, it does remind me a little bit of a B-movie, too. He said he was inspired by, I think, a movie called Night of the Creeps or something. So there is a little bit of inspiration from B-movies in there. And I also just think it's really a good horror film. It does a good job of blending horror and comedy and action. I would highly recommend it.
0: I agree. All right. So one more thing I want to ask you, How's everything been going for you as far as your acting career is going right now? I know that right. things are pretty much at a standstill.
1: Yeah, unfortunately it is. However, I have been working on my writing and I am almost done with a, a little short horror story I've written. It's about a little girl who has an abusive father. And then one night she meets the monster, in her closet and the monster under her bed and it turns out they're actually like her guardian angels
0: oh nice that's actually a nice little touch i like that Yeah, i got
1: inspired again by tumblr someone's like hey what if the monster in your closet and the monster under your bed were actually protecting you and i'm like i really like that idea and i'm also working on a young adult horror novel um mm-hmm. i took a little bit of inspiration from the five nights at Freddy franchise and a little bit of uh bendy and the ink machine a video game it's about these three kids and their parents are all famous puppeteers and they were going to reopen this uh puppet museum they made called fuzz and felt but one by one the parents all disappear so the kids are a little freaked out until someone's like you need to come back to fuzz and felt and they go to the museum and find out that the puppets are actually alive their parents have found a way to bring them to life
0: oh that's actually a good little twist
1: Thank you. So the them trying to find their parents and avoid the puppets that are trying to kill them because some of the puppets are like they love the kids and they're like you need to get out of here, but some of the other puppets are like we are gonna kill you. So it's about them trying to avoid the puppets that want to kill them and save their parents and figure out why somebody is doing all this.
0: All right, I'm glad that you actually keep them busy. I'm I'm glad to actually hear that you're writing and everything, and your writing seems to be going great for you. So.
1: It's going well. Like
0: I've had to sort of do something
1: like to keep my mind sane. I've been, I've been doing that. And also I cooked a lot during the first like few, few months of quarantine. So It's like, I need something to do. Just give me something.
0: (laughs) Right. I can understand that. I totally do. So, so where can everybody find you?
1: Um, I have a Twitter. It is root beer floaty. Um, I also am very active on, um, my uh Tumblr, Root Beer Goddess. Uh, but if you wanna Yeah, so that's, those are probably the two places where you'll find me
0: is uh Twitter okay. and Tumblr. Okay. And everybody, you guys can follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook. We also have a website now called movieloversunite.com. com. Another Ooh. thing guys, if you guys want to donate towards the show, you guys can do that. And by doing that, you can go on ahead and go over to www.movieloversunite.com. Buymeacoffee.com slash movie lovers. And what you can do is you can donate me a couple of cups of coffee. It actually helps keep the lights on at Movie Lovers Tonight. What I want to do for everybody, I want to go on ahead and give something back to y'all. What I want to do is I want to start giving away digital copies of movies. And yes, especially during this quarantine, right? Is actually That's the perfect time. Right. It's actually the perfect time to go ahead and do a giveaway. And I don't even have to send anything off. I can just go ahead and give you the code. So that's what I want to do for y'all. So if you guys want to give back to me and to the show, I can actually put that in my hands and get some digital copies for you guys. And I'll have some contests and stuff like that for you. So you can do the giveaways. And not only that, but it's this is also to help me to get better sound equipment, a microphone maybe, and stuff like that too for the show. And, you know, just to make things a little bit more professional looking. But, That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. I do appreciate that. And I know that people can't do that right now because of the quarantine and everything. But if you guys can, go ahead, throw in a, maybe three cups of coffee, maybe five cups of coffee whatever it is, just get me amped up and pumped up on that caffeine. (laughs) And it also will,
1: if you share the podcast too, that will also help him find, you know, new audience members, you know, just sharing like the links that will help too.
0: Most definitely. That would definitely help. Another thing too, guys go on to iTunes off of uh, the podcast app and give me a review. That actually helps me out in the rankings as well. And like, uh, like Nicole said, Share this with everybody. Smash that share button. Smash that subscribe button as well. And also, too, we also have a Pinterest now too. You can find us at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Night on there. You can also find me at John DeGorio Eight on Twitter, and you can also find me at Movie Lovers Unit on uh, on Twitter as well. And that's all the places that you can actually reach me at, even on Instagram as well. So go on ahead, check us out there, and always until next time. Bye bye.
1: Bye-bye.